going to launch straight in there. Uh, many years ago, uh, John Wimber had just visited the UK for the first time, and uh, my parents' church, St. Andrews, had just experienced an incredible sense of the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit had done amazing things. And shortly after that, my mother has a dream. And in the dream, she is wearing a purple garment, and this garment is killing her. It's strangling her, it's too tight, and it's also uh, bleeding all over her, and, and she feels like she's being poisoned in this dream. And she wakes up, and she realizes that this is a dream from the Lord, and that the Lord is speaking to her. Now, the color of purple represents the color of a bishop in the Church of England. They wear purple. And she realized the Lord was saying, you are doing a lot of things um, because you're a bishop's wife, and they're not you. They're not who, are, who, you, who I made you to be. You're not functioning as I created you to be. And so um, she started to take action, and she started to resign from certain boards and committees and just lots of different things that she was doing. And um, anyway, a bit later, um, John and the vineyard, John Wimber and the vineyard came and did that first conference in Westminster Central Hall. And I think it was a leaders conference and somehow John and I snuck into that conference. Uh, we were just young, newly married, didn't know what we were doing, but uh, absolutely loved being there. And again, the Holy Spirit was so powerfully present, so many sessions where bodies were all over the place. But there was one particular session. I was sort of around the front and I, as I got to the side, I saw my mother on the floor and she was contorting in the most ugly, weird way, and she looked like she was dying. She was sort of going, like I mean, it was awful. It was frightening. And as I come alongside her, Blaine Cook, who used to be um, a pastor in the vineyard, he was traveling with women at the time, and he comes alongside and he goes, oh yeah, I know what this is. Yeah, he's killing you. He's killing you. Yeah. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and my mother, of course, you know, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, uh, and so, amazingly, she kind of got free from all of this. Well, amazingly, doors began to open. And she um, discovered that her passion in life was to minister one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, she got counseling training, and she became really um, skilled and developed in her gift of word of knowledge and being able to help people through inner healing issues, deliverance. And really, not surprisingly, she ended up writing books with titles like Set My People Free and Cry Freedom. I want to talk about freedom tonight. I really felt the Lord speak to me about this early on in the year, and I, I am excited to talk about this. In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking to the Jews, and he says this, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we should be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. Now he's speaking there of slavery from sin. He's speaking of freedom from spiritual struggles, freedom to live through everyday, physical, emotional world and warlike, destructive struggles. He's speaking to a people who don't know that they're actually not free and that they're enslaved. We live in an age where there is a lot of confusion around what freedom really means. 
I wonder what it means to you. Uh, to me, I have this picture in my mind. It's a memory. It's, uh, I was a little girl, probably about five, and my dad says, do you want to come to the bank with me? And so that means about a 15-minute, maybe 20-minute walk. And so we start walking along. I'm holding onto his hand. And for every step that he takes, it's a kind of two and a half steps for me. So I'm, I'm skipping along, and we're going along to the bank. Now, I am just so happy. I'm holding my daddy's hand. I'm on my own with him. We're four daughters, so that was really nice to have alone time, quality time with my dad, and it just felt wonderful. I didn't know whether my father was on his way to the bank with some anxiety about our finances, some big issue going on. I was just trusting him and enjoying being in his presence, holding onto his hand. This is the kind of freedom. This is the kind of freedom that is available to every single one of us. God wants us to lead from a place of freedom. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've grown up and matured, even as a Christian, my experience of freedom has changed from that when I was a little girl. Now, in December, I found myself on the way to Spain. John and Ellie Mumford had invited me to take part with a group of people from around the globe to look at, you know, what might the vineyard look like 20, 30 years from now? What would need to be put in place? Uh, what might need to happen? Now, I actually didn't want to go. I, I didn't want to go, and um, I don't know why I'd said yes, because uh, I just love them too much. I can't bear to say no. And um, so I, I'd said yes, and honestly, we were busy. All sorts of things were going on just before Christmas. And on top of it all, the journey was arduous. I mean, you would have thought East Midlands Airport, fly out to whichever airport it was. No, I had to go to Heathrow. I had to stay overnight. And then I had to get a coach from the airport all the way to this hotel. The, the journey was ridiculous. But to my surprise, when I got there and I was in this room, I loved it. I loved it. I was making a contribution. I was sharing ideas. I was totally free from stress. I wasn't leading. I wasn't concerned with how others were participating in the room. I wasn't having to conclude the matter. I wasn't responsible for the outworkings. So on the journey back, I'm sitting in the coach back to the airport, and I'm just thanking the Lord. Lord, thank you for this wonderful time. I've loved it. Thank you. What a privilege. And then I felt the Lord speak to me. Actually, he rebuked me. Debbie, what's different? Why are you not free? Why can't you give me the burden? Am I not the head of the church? Am I not the head of the vineyard here in the UK and Ireland? Am I not your father? You see, freedom is very much affected by how we think, how we feel about things. We're living in a culture that affects the way we think about freedom. And freedom is such a powerful word, isn't it? We talk of freedom of speech and national freedom and freedom to vote and financial freedom, freedom to choose, freedom to push an idea forward. Our culture talks a lot about it. It's the cry of so many songs. It's the plot thread of so many films. This idea that the human heart longs to break free. And freedom is really what the gospel is all about. But most of our society, the people that we're ministering to, the people that we're loving, they don't believe in God, let alone living out his ways, living out the scriptures. 
We live in a time of great rebellion against God. But most people would think that was a barbaric way of saying it. They're just living, as in the book of Judges, in the days where there was no king over Israel, where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's all they're doing. The idea of God as our creator is almost gone. People in our day believe they can create themselves, their own lives, their own destinies. Glyn Harrison, um, he wrote the book, A Better Story, I highly recommend it, on God, sex, and human flourishing. And he says this about society's idea of freedom. It's freedom from external authority and the wisdom of tradition. Freedom was about being freed from moral and ethical obligations imposed by others. It's about being freed from big business and religious institutions. Perhaps most radically of all, it's about being freed from nature itself. It's freedom from God who designed us. It's freedom to be me, to invent myself and reinvent myself as many times as I want. And the deception is that freedom is found within ourselves. And really that that kind of freedom is going to do something amazing for us when actually it is such a burden. The world says freedom is the right to choose. Flexibility is freedom. And we have so much choice, don't we? I mean, just think about entertainment. Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sky TV, BBC, ITV, Apple TV, on and on and on. In our family, it actually takes us longer to choose what we're going to watch than the time it takes to watch it. You know, choice, you would think, is freedom. I heard that in one primary school, children were being asked, where on the spectrum are you of male and female, boy or girl? Is that really freedom? What a terrible burden. What a terrible burden. And yet, we're all affected by this choice-driven culture. God doesn't want us to be burdened. He has given us freedom to choose, to choose between good and evil, right and wrong. But it's not our own invention of good and evil. Christopher West, another brilliant author, wrote in his book, Fill These Hearts. I cannot celebrate that book enough. I couldn't put it down. He says this, there is a divine order of design to which this freedom is answerable. And then he quotes Mumford and Sons. There is a design, an alignment, a cry of my heart to see the beauty of love as it was meant to be. Where there's a turning from God, we see demonic forces begin to be unleashed and there's a cumulative effect building up. Individuals and societies are becoming enslaved. Are you aware of this? Are you aware of it in your own leadership? If you're like me, you're aware at times that you are not always experiencing freedom. So many things affect our freedom. It may be fears that bind us, burdens and worries, your family, fears around culture shifts, societal unrest, fears about health, education, fears for your church. You may experience a lack of freedom around people and relationships. You may be feeling controlled by habits that you don't like. You may be feeling tied up with responsibility. Maybe in your leadership you feel trapped and lonely. I could go on and on. As leaders, we are the same as everyone else. We long for freedom, but we don't always experience it. Now, some years ago, we were on sabbatical and we had taken our boys with us to California. And we wanted to treat them and take them on a day out to Magic Mountain. It's one of those adventure parks on a grand scale. And Zach at the time was 17 and Jordan was 13. And I was, I was really, really thrilled that we were gonna take them there. 
Now, I don't actually like those kinds of rides. I, I actually really hate them. But I could be very enthusiastic for the fact that they were all going to have such a good time. Um, so there we were, excited, lining up, waiting in the queue to pay our extortionate amount of money. And uh, we pay for all of us to go in, and we go through these huge gates. And then I looked across, and there was Jordan. And he kind of frozen, and he's looking up at these rides, and he's utterly petrified. And we decided that all that we could do was that we were going to have to just follow Zach and John around this whole part for the day, traipsing after them, carrying their bits and pieces. We did eat ice cream. We did have McDonald's. You know, but, and I think we went on the merry-go-round. That's all we managed. <laughs> but can you imagine, in the heat in California, what a waste. And there we were, traipsing around. Well, finally, at the end of the day, we come to this last ride. It's the X2. It's the world's first four-dimensional roller coaster. So you'll see this thing. It is horrendous. So Jordan and I, we're sitting on a bench, right, watching Zach and John kind of queue up, get on this ride, and there they are. And, it, and, and we get to this place, and it, it kind of goes round and round, and the whole thing twists. And at the same time, Jordan and I heaved. And I honestly, there was sick in my mouth. You know when you have to... It, uh, it was horrific, absolutely awful. Now, there's a woman called, we, we can stop this now. I can't even, I can't even do it. There, there's a woman called Mel Robbins, right? She said, no, 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 don't do it again. Anyway, so she's a life coach, she's a presenter, she's also an author. But she says this, apparently, fear and excitement both share the same physiological effects on the body. The heart rate increases, the blood pressure goes up, breathing gets faster, on and on. The difference is in the thinking. What you think affects how you feel. Now, as Jordan grew through his teens, he wanted to you know, be with his friends and be part of what they were doing. So he started to make decisions that changed his thinking. And his desire changed. And the feelings in his body around these adventure playgrounds completely changed. And he now loves those adventure rides. I, however, have, as you can see, no interest whatsoever in being free from that particular fear. But, <laughs> But I say that to make the point that so much of the freedom that we experience is set in our thinking. And also, our culture weighs up decisions, not just through thinking, but through our feelings. We live in a culture where emotions now play a huge part on the way we think about things rationally. And often, the two, the emotions and the rational thought, are conflicted. Even in the Bible, even trying to live according to Scripture, even though we see things that the Scriptures say, our emotions will say something else. Another quote from Glenn Harrison's book, A Better Story, he says this, and he, he's, um, he's quoting or he's talking about this psychologist called Jonathan Haidt. And this, this psychologist paints a picture of an elephant and its rider. So you have this huge elephant that represents the emotions. The man on the top represents thinking and rational thought. The elephant represents these emotions and these feelings. But he says, nowadays, before we have a chance to weigh up a decision, or maybe even, even God's truth, the elephant has leaned. It's already taken us uh, to face a certain direction. And before we can even think it through, we're heading off. Because we are so controlled by our emotions. 
If we're aware of this, if we know that that's what's going on in this tension, it will help us step back and help us just sort of really think things through in a, in a you know, give ourselves that space to kind of get off the elephant and, uh, and just allow ourselves to consider the feelings and the thought process. It helps us weigh up what God is saying about freedom. Now, another blockage to freedom is our past. All of us here have a past. Some of us may even be slaves to our past. The life that we lived or the childhood we experienced. We've been hurt. We've been affected by other people's sin or our own sin. When I was a child, we used to experience um, earthquakes. And um, it's pretty terrifying to be sort of trapped in your bedroom, the staircase shaking back and forth, and you don't quite know what's going, what other people are doing in the house. But the idea was we were supposed to stay where we were or just get under the bed or in the doorway, but not to try and get out of the house. And so, you know, I find that sometimes in situations of physical crisis, I get kind of, my imagination goes crazy. Um, so we were in Paris, and uh, this is when the boys, they had girlfriends. Zach was going out with Lizzie, who's now married to, but Jordan had a different girlfriend. And so John was sleeping with um, the boys and I was in a room with the girls. And in the middle of the night, we're in Paris and the fire alarms go off. And I'm like, I've shot out of bed. Two minutes, girls, two minutes. Get your clothes, come on, get up. We're getting out, come on, out we go. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Oh, there's smoke, smoke, smoke. Come on, out we go. And get to the front door and we're waiting and the flipping manager's taking forever. Finally comes along, opens the door. Let's out, we jump out in the street. I'm like, come on, girls. And then the guests start sort of just dribbling nonsense. Somewhere out there, John and the boys and they're kind of looking at us and I'm like, well obviously it was a false alarm wasn't it? <laughs> and of course there wasn't any smoke but my imagination had gone crazy. You know, the traumatised thinking led to wild imaginings. You know, what kind of a leader? <laughs> Let's just really hope the fire alarm doesn't go off because what kind of a leader am I in a crisis? <laughs> but anyway... To say this, wrong thinking can really bind us up. I have a, a great friend, and uh, he believed that if he travelled in a plane, it would crash. And so he found every other way to travel except flying, and it severely limited his ministry. But then he decided that the Lord was speaking to him about traveling and that he really needed to overcome his fear. And so he was ministered to and the Holy Spirit came and he began to receive healing, but he had to put into action some changes. He had to step on a plane and physically fly. But you know, he, 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 he worked at it and now he travels all over the world and impacts thousands of people. God wants us to be free, folks. He wants us as leaders to be free. Let me just look a bit more at what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the truth, this truth that we can know. He's pointing to two things. There are two sides to this freedom. It's freedom from something and it's freedom to something. It's freedom uh, from slavery. It's freedom from the effects of our past and sin. It's freedom from burden and pressure, wrong thinking. But it's also freedom to be a true child of God with all the incredible opportunities that that brings. And honestly, folks, this freedom is real. And this is why I'm just so excited about it. It's freedom from our sin, from unforgiveness, but it's so that we can truly, truly live in God's light and pursue the ultimate desire that we yearn for, the ultimate desire that this freedom wants us to take us to, the freedom to pursue him and to let that desire run totally wild. The Westminster Confession tells us that the chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. 
our real yearning, the missing piece, is our desire for God, and it's an infinite desire. We were designed to reach for this eternal person. It's an ongoing quest. It's freedom to seek and find deep intimacy for that thirst to be quenched in him. And I, I just love this, this, this sense of this quest that we're on. The, the ancient saints talked about a holy intoxication. This is what we were designed for. Isn't this what we're, we're kind of tapping into when we worship? It's just so beautiful. And we have to grasp it if we're going to get hold of this freedom and live in it. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. He's telling us that the freedom is from him, and it's a gift to us. This freedom is set in his truth. Now, his teaching continually, his teaching, his stories, they were all taking us to the Father. They're all helping us see what the truth of God really is, what he's really like, where our freedom really lies, that it actually lies in a direction. But many of us find it hard to set our freedom in a direction because we don't always live in honest truth. We kind of cover things up. We're, we're in slavery, and we, we kind of um, hide from people and things. And, you know, we, we, we're living under the tyranny of lies and half-truth and cover-ups. It may be really subtle, but Jesus places truth and freedom together. They go hand in hand. The scriptures talk about our minds needing to be renewed, that our hearts can mislead us. And so our feelings, the big elephant, can deceive us. Paul understood this when he writes from prison in Galatians, and he says, it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, Paul is in prison. He's in chains. He must be feeling frustrated. The burdens are huge. Yet he believes that this freedom is there to be experienced. He's teaching a real freedom, but it's not related to our circumstances. It is not related to circumstances. It's a freedom that calls us to stand still. It has a place. It has borders. It has certain restrictions. And it's not related to our circumstances. It is an utterly revolutionary concept of freedom. It's freedom, but it calls us to reflect, to wait, to search, to search for him. Most of our culture would see this kind of conversation about restriction as just bizarre. They'd see it as prison. But it's in our standing firm, facing Jesus, facing the Lord, that where we, we start to experience this extraordinary freedom. But it's so hard when our minds and our emotions are caught up trying to protect ourselves, trying to cover ourselves. Our energies are in overdraft, creating all kinds of masks. And this is what happens when we're living towards other people. You know, like you, I know what it's like to live trying to please other people. I want to be loved. I want to be respected, and, and so often my direction of freedom is actually going here and there, and it's not actually going towards, towards the Lord. My, my fear of failure as a wife, as a mother, as a sister, as a friend, I hide behind masks of being spiritual or looking good. You know, on and on, coverings that just take me off track from actually getting that thirst quenched in the Lord. Jesus is talking about hold on to his teachings. If you hold to my teachings, then you'll be free. You know, when he showed us what the father was like through the prodigal son, he said he loves us, not just at our best, but he loves us at our worst. At our worst, he loves us. 
We're being called on to hold on to him, called to hold on and to commit to that kind of teaching, to live in the light of that freedom. Freedom and commitment go hand in hand. You know, just the example of marriage. I mean, I'm talking about the ultimate commitment that a man and woman can make, a lifelong commitment. It's only in this level of commitment that we actually gain certain freedoms, free to be truly intimate, vulnerable with no shame. And this kind of relationship is a foretaste. It's a picture for all of us, whether we're happily married, unhappily married, single, you know, it's a picture for all of us about our relationship with Christ. It points to something really sovereign and incredible, Christ and his bride. It's a foretaste of something eternal, infinite, intoxicatingly wonderful. This is what our freedom is set towards. It's worth the quest. We are created beings. We were created for his love. God has given us a way to live. He's given us his word. He's given us his son. He's given us his spirit and he's holding onto our hand, and that's where we have freedom to skip along. The more we live in God's freedom as his children, the more we see freedom that the world is offering us is just so false. It is so false. Do you know, it's a challenge to lead people into biblical truth when the culture is so sent against it. But you know, freeing people from slavery was not ever meant to be easy. Our calling is a high calling. We can only do it with Jesus, empowered by his spirit, holding on to the Father's hand. He's guiding us, he's pulling us on, he's pulling us forward. Freedom is about moving forward. You know, have you noticed about our bodies? You know, nature points to something. You know, we are made to move forward. We're made to stretch out our arms, our feet face forward, we take strides forward, our eyes face forward, our ears face forward. We're supposed to move forward, looking towards him. Nature points to things. What is the one thing that is behind? You know? <laughs> Designed to discharge waste. <laughs> Leave it behind. You know? Discharge it. Let go. <laughs> you know, in, in, in Hebrews, Paul says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We have to seriously contend with getting rid of those things that are stopping us from being free, from being free to lead effectively, to lead others into this great freedom. Biblical heroes like Moses and David and Peter and Paul, they all failed, they all made a mess of things, but they were all living lives so that others could be free. Free from slavery, free from enemies, free in Christ. This freedom isn't just for you, it's for your children and their children, it's for your church, it's for your neighbors, it's for our cities, and it's for the world. What happens to us affects others that we lead. The freedom that we truly live in opens the door for other people. I wonder what you need to leave behind so that you can go where Jesus is taking you. Where are you not free today? Where are you not free to embrace freedom? Do you know, sometimes um, embracing freedom and allowing God to shake it off you and let you let it go can look very messy. 
during the year before hands were laid on us to uh, lead the movement, I was battling, as I've said last year, with all sorts of issues. And um, I remember there was a, uh, we were hosting a conference and there was a ministry time and all of a sudden I started to scream. Now I could have stopped it, but I knew it, the Holy Spirit was on me and I, I was desperate and I began to scream and scream and scream. And it must have been so disturbing. It was humiliating, it was embarrassing. And um, you know, I wish it hadn't happened, but I really am so glad it did. One man in our church, the next day, he, he just said, I thought that was totally demonic. I'm not staying in this church. I, maybe it was. I just said, I don't know quite. I don't understand what it was. I'm so sorry that you don't like it. And he left us. But I have to say, I'm not the same person. I am not the same person. The freedom that I'm talking about is so for real. And God has ways of dealing with us. Are you free to look forward? Or are you stuck because maybe you failed at something? Because like me, you can't bear to experience something that could hurt you again. You know, our fears can actually damage those around us. They can make us control people, manipulate them, dump our feelings on those close to us. We may say we believe we have freedom, but we're not acting that way. To experience freedom, we have to be ruthless. We need to recognize where we are bound, and we benefit hugely by asking the Lord, as the psalmist did in 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Do you want to know the truth? Because that awareness really does help us get onto that road, onto that road to everlasting freedom. Freedom involves seeking out the truth, being honest about your need for help. God wants to show us our hearts. He wants to help us become self-aware so we can ruthlessly deal with the deception that binds us. I was sitting um, in our conservatory and I looked out the window and I saw a blackbird. And I just felt the Lord say, I'm speaking to you. So I kind of looked up blackbirds. Now, you know, lovely, like many birds, they love to sing. But this is what's interesting. They are very aware of the danger that cuckoos represent. Cuckoos are up to no good. They recognize them as a parasitic species, a species that likes to lay their eggs in um, other birds' nests, not their own. And um, they recognize them and also what is called their non-mimetic eggs. So they recognize their eggs as not the same as the ones in their nest, the ones that they have laid. If a blackbird spots a cuckoo, he and a number of other blackbirds will drive the cuckoo away. But if one such cuckoo should lay an egg in the blackbird's nest, the blackbird will push that egg out. One study showed that nearly 60,000 um, nests, blackbird nests, were examined, and they only found three cuckoo's eggs. So the blackbird is actually very good at getting rid of these uh, non-mimetic eggs. Because if he mistakenly nurtures that cuckoo egg into life, that cuckoo will destroy the other eggs and the fledgling baby blackbirds. We need to be aware of the danger because the danger is really sinister. If you want to get real, you need to get real with God and deal with the cuckoos. We have to deal with them. Now, one helpful tool that I have found is called the Enneagram. There are many tools and the Lord can reveal to you many different ways the obstacles in your life, but the Enneagram is really helpful. Um, there's a book called The Sacred Enneagram um, by Christopher Hertz. And 
The Enneagram looks at nine personality types. It helps us understand um, a little bit more about ourselves in terms of how we try to compensate for that missing something in our lives. That sense that something isn't right. There's a restlessness and we're trying to find what we need. And sometimes we're pursuing a different calling or a new relationship, a new body, a new adventure, a new car, and on and on and on. And all these things may be fine and wonderful, but they can be traps, blocking out what our hearts really yearn for. As I've said before, our hearts yearn to know God, to walk with him, to know who you are in him, not in others, to find deep satisfaction in him, not in ourselves. So the Enneagram shows us not only our strengths and our assets, but it also shows us helpfully our limitations and our liabilities, the things that are going to restrict us from experiencing freedom. When we begin to understand our liabilities, our limitations, we can then begin to make changes. We don't have to be our personality types. You know, we're not locked in. We are called to become like Jesus. We can be free to be more like him. And so God wants to show us these dangers in lots of different ways. The question is, how real are you willing to be? What depths will you allow Christ to lead you? How open to his spirit are you willing to be? Because where the spirit leads, there's freedom. The Holy Spirit comes and he aligns us, aligns our desire to God's. Whether it's supernatural encounters when the Holy Spirit falls, whether it's quietly the Spirit of God speaking to you in times of, uh, when you're alone, you know, whether it's through talking to a trusted friend. You know, we may not always understand in the moment what the Lord is actually doing, but if we're trusting him that he wants the best kind of freedom for us, so much could happen. I mean, what could happen if we were able to throw off those burdens, free ourselves from the entanglements, if we took off the masks and the coverings, if we trusted him with our limitations? It may take courage, it may take patience, but folks, we don't need to be perfect. Perfect isn't um, a requirement. We can take risks because failure really is an option. We can fail. Honestly, we can. You know, um, we were talking uh, to Brian Houston. We were privileged to be in a smaller gathering, and Brian Houston, who leads the Hillsong Movement of Churches, um, which is a very impressive leadership, and there is such a confidence in their leadership. There's a real favor on them, and they seem to be very strategic, very intentional about the way they go about things and execute their plans and stuff. And somebody asked him, you know, about this sort of strategic, intelligent approach to things and planning. And then he just sort of answered, and he, he was like a child and he said well we, we tried this and, and uh, then we tried that and, and if it worked we did a bit more and, and if it didn't we moved on and I thought I can do that I can, I can try this and try that and you know it was like just childlike freedom what could it mean for us in the vineyard to experience that kind of freedom where could it take us do you know I, I watch new believers you know and when they first come to faith and they, they, they enter this phase where obviously they're in, in, in a way in romance, but we've been journeying, well, my husband really, and I've been privileged to sort of come in on conversations, but John's been journeying with a guy in our church, Nick, and this guy comes from a violent background. He's very, very wealthy and has lots of people who owe him money. He came to the church depressed, embittered, resentful. He, he, the way he would solve some of these issues would be very sinister indeed. And... Um, 
you know, it's the sort of person that the police would warn you uh, from being friends with him. Um, but anyway, he comes to the church and he, he, he comes to face through a miraculous series of visions and the, 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 the table hosts who just um, really nurture him into faith. And it, it's been an amazing journey. But to watch his love for Jesus, the, the, the changes that he's made, the, the compassion on him. I mean, he was a man who would violently, violently deal with people who owed him money. Now he's looking for ways to help them, to help them pay back their debts in a healthy way. He's giving people jobs. He's employing people. He's, it's, it is just amazing, and he's experiencing such freedom. And every time I talk with him, I'm just elated at what the Lord is doing with him. And, you know, I think to myself, wow, what's happened? You know, this beautiful, childlike freedom, it's so available to us. What happens to us when this sort of stops and we just get too mature? Every challenge is an opportunity to live from freedom. Now, I've been on this journey embracing and deciding to choose freedom. And um, a few weeks ago, we released Tom and Helen our associate pastors, Tom and Helen Murphy, to plant the Derwent Valley Vineyard in Derby. And they've been working with us for 21 years, and we've had a wonderful ride together. And it has met, created an incredible sense of safety for us as a church, and we've just been able to go from strength to strength. And they have been wonderful colleagues and friends. And if three years ago, anybody had suggested to me that Tom and Helen uh, would go and plant a church, I, I, I would have passed out. I mean, I would not have coped. It was just inconceivable, inconceivable. I never imagined that they'd leave to plant their own church because uh, as much as they have always been up for risk and challenge, uh, they always said that they felt called to stay. And that was the journey that we were on. But about three years ago, we started to sense that something wasn't fitting right, something wasn't working. And you know, we battled and we, clinged, uh, we clung to each other, we, we, we talked about, we had conflict, we, we tried to resolve it this way, that way, we looked at lots of options. And, and finally, the Lord began to speak to us about putting fear to one side, just eliminate fear. And uh, we had this point at the beginning of the summer where we sat down and we just said, we've got to put fear off the table, let's dream. What is God saying and John and I went away and they went away and we didn't talk about it for about three weeks and then we felt the Lord confirmed to us that they were to go and plant a church and that actually it should be in Derby and uh, they came back to us and they said the Lord spoken to us and they even showed us a sign you know uh, that they'd photographed that confirmed that where the church should be I mean it was just incredible and we had to be obedient it was freedom for them, it was freedom for, for others, it's freedom for our church to depend on God, freedom for younger staff to step up, freedom for people in Derby, it, was, it just was freedom. And you know, we embraced the risk, we embraced it with trust, and the freedom has been exhilarating. The fears were there, it was like they're the same, but we just took up courage, we held onto the Lord's hand, and this mindset of excitement and not fear has been amazing. Amazing. Our freedom was bought at a price, not because we're perfect, but because he is. And we get to skip along beside him, free to be children, free from all that holds us back, free from past failure, free from worry, free to fail, free to feel excitement, not fear. Our freedom has a direction. It has safe borders. We are free because of Jesus. If the Son and his truth has set us free, we are really free to run wild into the arms of our Father. Let's stand.